Hello everyone, uh, welcome to your latest episode of the Wolves Fancast. Um, it's Gully here and we are recording pretty much in the aftermath of the victory, I'm glad to say. Um, 1-0 win um, provided by um, that man Pedro Neto with a lovely finish. Um, we'll obviously get into the game uh, shortly, but um, I wanted to introduce my guest today. Um, we've got Dan. Hello everyone. Uh, we've got that man Stu. That that man Stu. That man this Stu. A, this is different. Hello, everyone. And a uh, bit of a special guest uh, on the pod today is Paul Berry. How you doing, Paul? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, what what appearance is this for you now? Do we do we? Are you a hat trick ball or something like these still on soccer? I am. Might be number three, mate. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I look we'll out to... in the post. Yeah. We'll have to we'll, commemorate it in some way. We'll get something off DH Gate for Paul. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> wish. That's, that sounds about right. That yeah, sounds about we'll right. Um, well, as is the way with uh, football at the moment, boys, it's quite uh, an active week um, amid uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers as a, as a football club. Um, now, transfer window, you like signings, but we've had a couple of signings um, that would wouldn't necessarily obviously constitute new players, but uh, some important signs have been made this week, which is the tying down of uh, Captain Connor Cody and uh, Raul Jimenez to new contracts. Um, so, Dan, let me start with you. Um, what do you think about about these new deals? What, what do you think the the, the sense of um, doing this is really massively important to keep the the continuance of the, the squad that we've got, the philosophy that Nuno's trying to build with his key players. I think someone said at the start of the window, you're recouping 80 plus million and you're still, still able to keep the likes of Raul, Neves, Cody, Bollard, your, your main spine of the team. I think everyone would be mostly happy. So, um, Jimenez, um, obviously has been such a key figure for the club over the last couple of seasons. Um, signed until 2024. Um, now, that probably allays any of the uh, transfer rumours around Jimenez for the short term. But um, what do you think of the, the, of the idea that he's going to be here till 2024? Well, his contract till 2024. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say that. I mean, it, it's, it's great news. I mean, I, I was one of the ones at the end of last season thinking that without European football, will certain people still be here? And it kind of it just knocked them fears on the head for me. More than anything else, and I'd, do I expect him to still be here in four years? I mean, it all depends on our p- club performance as a whole. But it gives us, it gives him security, and it gives us a bit of money, leeway either way now. So it's just a good deal all round. Same, same with Cody. I mean, Cody's, Cody's never going to go to a better club than Wolves, is he? Let's be honest. Um, and you can't really see him leaving, but. On Raul's point of view, if we do stagnate and he wants to move in eighteen months' time, that we've still got two years on him, so it's just a it's just a superb deal around for me. Paul, I think I'm right in saying you've you've worked with Connor Cody in the past. Um, you know, tied down till 2025. How important do you think that is for the club? Yeah, I think it's massive. Um, yeah, I worked with him for a couple of years while I was there, and I think he's just. I mean, I think everyone's seen what sort of character he is and what sort of guy he is, and he's exactly the same behind the scenes. I think he's almost like the glue that kind of holds everyone together. Um, he's probably almost the last one standing now, isn't he, from a sort of few years ago. And I think, so I think as well as on the pitch, um, I mean, with that system, I'm not really sure who else in the squad could potentially play that position. Uh, but off the pitch as well, I think he's massive. And the same with him and his, for me, I think if you'd pick one player almost that you wouldn't want to lose just because I'm not sure there's anyone else in the squad that could play that role as well as he does. Um, I think it's him. And so, you know, echoing what both the guys said, I think being able to keep him this summer for me uh, is massive. And, you know, who knows whether he was going to go anywhere. But I think he'd have been a huge, a huge loss and perhaps more difficult to replace than others. Anybody think Jimenez, uh, at the age that he is, thinks he might have hit his peak already or might be on his way down as a footballer over the next few years? Well, for a, for a striker, it's prime years, eh? He's, he's, he's signed his prime years to stay at Wolverhampton, which is incredible, really. Um, but yeah, uh, you think at the end of them four years, he'll be what? 33, three and a half, 34? Then you'd start thinking, yeah, you, you're going to the Sheringham territory then. <laughs> um, Sheringham, not, 
a bit of uh, inside baseball into the WhatsApp group where I'm pretty sure that Gully, have, did you ever see John Aldridge play? Uh, I've seen him miss a penalty in an FA Cup final, but that's not obviously at any point during the time I was born. But that's about yeah. it. Well, I, I compared the uh, the playing of uh, young Silver and Jimenez to uh, Russian Aldridge and got mocked for being too old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think his prime years to here. And in, well, his video, I said, I mean, that, that weird video that he did with Bully, which is go and watch it yourself, it's just, it's just gold. <laughs> All kinds of gold, comedy gold, <laughs> Wolves gold, but um, yeah, he's, his best year is going to be here, and I think to commit himself, and he's he's clearly happy here, he's, if he wasn't happy he'd be gone, and you've got pe- certain people on Everton fans, on weird Everton fans, you've got Matt Hand on Twitter who's obsessed with Wolves and talking about him all the time and going to United and all this nonsense, and he's gone nowhere, and that's... It's a compliment to Wolverhampton and the club, both at the same time for me. And to commit his going on a ramble, but to commit his future and to commit his prime years to Wolverhampton, he's superb for the town and the club. Yeah, I can I can see it already. Twenty twenty three, twelve months left on his contract. Nice big payday in China, eh? That um, sounds about right. And <laughs> uh, I'm sure Fosun can uh, wheel a deal or, or, or something for us uh, in that sense. Um, right and. We've got um, some more ingoings, incomings and outgoings as well. Um, obviously, transfer window is open till tomorrow. Um, all but confirmed, I think, that uh, Ruben Vinagre is on his way. Obviously, he's absent uh, for the game today as well. Um, now, we know he uh, he had all sorts of potential um, back in the Championship especially, but um, what do we make of this, guys? Um, Paul, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to you first. Um, what, what do you think about the Vinagre situation? I think, yeah, I mean, I listened to you guys last week talking about it and I think it's he's not quite made the progress perhaps that either, you know, fans would have wanted or Nuno would have expected. And I think there's been a few sort of younger players like that, haven't there, where if they don't take the chance when they come into the team and they drop out again, they're at an age where they've not he's not played a huge amount of games in his career and it kind of almost feels like he needed to go somewhere to progress, you know, whether that was on loan, as this is, but equally, if it goes through, it looks like it could be a permanent deal potentially. So, yeah, I think probably um, the right call, sort of in a way, compares a bit with Morgan Gibbs-White for me, who probably needed needed to go out and do what he's doing, albeit in the Championship, but, you know, never really played a, se- a full season of constantly playing rather than just dipping in and out. So, um, yeah, I think he had a lot, you know, a lot of attacking promise, obviously defensively perhaps from time to time, um, you know, let a few things slip. So I think whether Nuno's probably had a look at him over the sort of, you know, last few months pre-season, and and that deal sort of come about now, where he can they can let him go and bring in bring in someone else, and he's probably just thought, yeah, Ruben's not really going to feature for him consistently, so let's do the deal. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for me because I, I think back to certain games, you know, Sevilla um, in the Europa League, he, he had to come in and do a job for us, and he played. I think it was one of the better games he's had um, last season. Um, Manchester City away, he started that game, and we we won two nil. He, he, he has shown he can be relied upon at certain times, but um, Dan, will you will you miss the step over King? <laughs> I think we'll we'll all miss those L one R one control pad moves that he's that he had locked down, but I just think Wolves and just it's like we we're in the editor mode, isn't it, with like finances and <laughs> somehow we've managed to get ridiculous money for another young player who's people are saying he's not good enough for us but he's somehow going to another Champions League team. It's a bit yeah. On paper, it's a bit how we ended up in this state, but um, I think we all agree that he has stagnated over the last year. I mean, it, it's all hearsay. Has he really settled in 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 Wolverhampton when he's not getting the game time that he probably thinks he deserves? Marcel coming in against Sheffield United and starting over him was probably the final straw for him. Maybe that was it. He, he wanted a, a move after that. Um, it's just all about who we're getting to replace now. I know there's, there's talks of the uh, Royal Knight Nori from Angers, but I still think there's got to be someone better than him that we've got lined up to to, to fill straight. And I think at the moment we're struggling with a turnover of players and the new players not knowing 
the philosophy of what we were trying to do, or whether we're trying to do too much in too little time. You think you don't think Eight Nori's going to go straight into left back? He played. He played. Well, he's got to be lined up, hasn't he, to be to fill straight into that role? But doesn't know doesn't know any of the team players. Doesn't know whether really you know um, acclimatised to the physicality of the Premier League straight off. It's a, it's a big gamble on a nineteen year old, regardless of the potential. And he did play pretty much all, the whole of the season until it was cancelled for Angers, but last season though. So he ain't like some. He ain't the French equivalent of Vinagre <laughs> from appearance wise. That's why I'm. I'm I just presume that I mean, we'll come on to it later. Well, Stace played yeah. there today, but I think he's just nailed on to just come straight in. I mean, he, either way, if he's next to Bolly or Stace, he's got someone who can speak French. I mean, I don't know if he can speak English. You'd presume he would do, because obviously <laughs> everyone everyone does. Um, but he's one of them where I think BT probably got the biggest ratings for uh, <laughs> a league on fixture on uh, Friday night. They met a Wolverhampton people watching that game, but yeah. It, I mean, it, uh, you watch it as well, Gully. I mean, we're we're the OGs. We watch French football. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I mean, people <laughs> people want to be able to see this, but I, I'm rubbing my hands together at the prospect of Aitnuri. Uh, to be honest, um, having watched him tonight, um, I was going to come to you, Stu, to because I know that you watch the game. But what do you make of him as uh, based on on, on that viewing? Well, he didn't take no prisoners, did he? <laughs> you could see, um, if you want to be negative, you think, oh, well, this is his last game, he's going to go out in a blaze of glory, <laughs> kind of thing. But he was he was in pirouettes against, I mean, yeah, they did get smashed, let's be honest. And there was a couple of runs inside of him which he could improve on. But again, he's a kid, and to play that many times in that division, I mean, it's not a farmer's league, for, let's get that nonsense out of the way. <laughs> it's... Um, it's not, it's not the best, but it's not a farmer's league. And you, Again, you're playing against one of the best teams in the world, and he didn't disgrace himself, did he? So he played really well. I mean, and you only have to read 442 and all the all the other publications of that kind and one to watch, and he was in there for the last 18 months or so. So And be linked with both Manchester clubs, and now we've all been well. We've, got, we've signed him up at time tonight, or whenever you, uh, you hear this. I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I think from what I saw of him, when they talk about players kind of oozing class, every time he touched the ball, he seemed to just have a, a little bit of authority over it, and he, he already looks a bit more mature than Vinagre, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the way he receives the ball, decisions he makes, and um, in the final third, he was picking out passes, and I think that's something that we've lacked from the wide areas, um, especially down the left hand side. You know, Johnny's a slightly different player, but you need an option who's gonna get down the flank and whip a crossing and you know, he looks he looks the real deal from from what I saw of him. Um I think but, it, what on Vinegra, what you what we all saw against Burton and that goal that he scored there at Burton away three years ago, for his attack attacking wise, he hasn't really changed at all. He's still doing like you said the step over King and he's still doing it. I He's can't still doing him, that stuff. I can't recall him assisting, to be honest, um, over the last couple of seasons. No. He's still Which, doing them. You look at the players like Ronaldo when he turned, when he came to the Premier League, or Premiership, Premier League, whatever it was at the time, and he got that nonsense knocked out of him pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And Vinagra was still doing it. Yeah. He was still doing it last week. And you think, well, you've been here for three years. You should be a acclimatised to English football now. You can't do this shit anymore. And he's just not, not learned and he's not pushed on. And like you said about Gibbs White as well, he's, he's the Portuguese Gibbs White and he needs, if he, he's not going to come back now, is he? And putting that price tag on his head is just securing the asset for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, the, the option to sign is a bit of a death knell. But um, with the transfer window closing tomorrow, Paul, um, we obviously brought you on because you've got some ITK and you're going to give us an exclusive <laughs> now. Um, so fire away, mate. I didn't have that when I was working there, mate. I mean, <laughs> five minutes notice, it's like, all oh, right, okay, but yeah. Uh, no, well, I mean, all the signs seem to be that if they get that one deal done, that's it, isn't it? Um, from what I'm sort of reading and seeing, I, I wouldn't know anything else unless unless anything sort of pops up um, tomorrow. I don't know if it's an eleven o'clock job or a yeah eleven o'clock job. Yeah, I mean. I don't know, it just seems to be the way Nuno operates. It is this small squad. You know, we've got less, fewer fixtures this season without Europa. Um, it's just unfortunate, I guess. I mean, we've got so used to not having injuries, but to bring Marcel in and lose him 
pretty quickly. I don't know how long that's for, but uh, with Johnny already out in that position, I mean, it's unheard of, I think, to have a couple of players in the same position absent. So I guess that's almost been a bit of a, a bit of a downer so far, but, um, you know, hopefully he'll come back soon. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys feel or whether you've heard anything, but it just feels to me like they're probably happy with what they've done. Um, and he's just going to work with his squad and hopefully get them to to improve over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I mean, more importantly, peace with what we've done. Dan, we, in, in a sentence, just to wrap up before we move on to the Fulham game, are, are we happy with the transfer window? No, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think on on paper, we've been sold a good transfer window on the back of how much money we've spent on Fabio Silva, but for me, it hasn't been the window that I was looking for us to kick on with. You, you look at the sort of balance sheet with the incomings to what we've spent. Have we really spent much money this window and improved the squad in a whole? To me, I don't think we have. I see Paul nodding. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, it's almost like it feels like a window for the future to a degree, doesn't it? I think... Obviously, even if you look today, um, Patino, Silva don't come off the bench. Uh, so again, I think there is this thing with Nuno. I think he just loves working with players on the training pitch, and, and hopefully those two, you know, are going to come good and, and get more minutes sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think I suppose it, it's, it feels like a sort of transition now. I think doesn't it? Almost like we're losing a couple of players that have been key players for really for the last two or three years. So no, it is. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out, really. I think you look at all the other clubs in the Premier League, the ones who were competing in that top six last year, they've all gone out and improved. Apart from Man United, who were going to panic by two or three tomorrow. Everyone else has massively improved. Everton, who was nowhere near us there, they massively improved. And I think it will be a transition season, which is quite annoying, really, because they're close we came last. Can you class Edinson Cavani as a panic buy? <laughs> He's a bit eight years too late. <laughs> so very quickly on, on, on our transfer window, um, if nothing else happens, are you happy or are you expecting more? You've gone football manager-wise and you, you give it 20 out of 20 for potential, wouldn't you? Yeah. But that's what you've signed potential, which is... Fans don't want to see potential, do they? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the problem. I mean, if we'd have, if we'd have come a cropper today... It would have been absolute pandemonium chaos on there online, but we scraped over the finish line against Fulham at home. And you look at that team and you think, well, I know we'll come on to it in a minute, but there's glaring places. But centre back, I think we're fine. We have seat fine anyway. We don't need any cover there. But central midfield is a worry, and it's been a worry for two years, and it's not been addressed. And we've got Vitinha, who looks like. He's got promise from the YouTube compilation videos that we've seen because that's all anyone's seen of him. Um, but that's all it is. It's, it's signing promise. And I know that we can't go out and buy... We can't go out and spunk £60 million on central defenders like Man City can. But you've got to look at things. I mean, I know we've, we've mentioned before about Villa and they've done... Villa have been sensible. Villa have got proven... We can't be saying things quality. like that, Stu. Not I know. It's, no, it's, we can't, we can't I, be doing that. I can feel the, the fire burning inside me. I'm going to be taken by the devil. But <laughs> oh, oh, Dirty word for the villa. They've, um, just, they've, cement, they've cemented themselves in the table by the signs that they've made. And we've come from two consecutive seventh-place finishes, and we're not going to get there again on the window that we've had so far. No chance. I think <laughs> just, because, just because of it... There's glaring emissions in the central midfield and there's striker. I mean, again, we've got, if Jimenez got injured, we're putting our, our faith in a kid, even though it's our record signing. Well, it's, it's all a bit weird. I mean, some might say that uh, we're not going to finish top seven based on performances so far as well. <laughs> but um, we know a lot can happen in 24 hours, guys. So um, we uh, sit, sit beside our phones tomorrow with bated breath and uh, we'll see when the transfer window closes. Today's game, one um, nil win against Fulham. Um, it was always going to be an interesting um, team selection. Wolves obviously play their cards close to their chest when it comes to players' fitness, um, especially you know the rumours of Pedence being out before the West Ham game were all you know 
filling up on social media. No one really knows where Marcel is now. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it could be tucked in a corner of Molyneux somewhere, and we'd we'd have no idea why or, or for what reason. Um, but <laughs> to see the left side of the team when um, the lineups were announced, um, how, how how do you think this um, this looked to you? Did it fill you with excitement, Dan? I mean, me and Stu had a quick conversation before we we came on, and you look at sort of um, Sace at left back today. And he played a lot better than what Vinagre's done for months. <laughs> he put more crosses in than I've seen Vinagre put in for months. I know it wasn't ideal. We're, we're missing too many players to, to make a, uh, a solid judgment on today for me. I think um, not having Marcel at the back, you haven't got your, your your cemented left wing back in there. And you know the way we play. It's Cody flanking balls onto the wings, getting our wing backs further up the field then getting in uh, Neto and Poland into the game. And I, I think today, you, uh, it, was just about, it was just about getting a win today, just to relieve some pressure for me. Yeah. yeah. I think the um, Wolves 4.0 project in the first half, especially of keeping the ball, we didn't even do that <laughs> a lot of the time. It was it was so scrappy. And it was one of them things where you it took about 10 minutes and then you thought, oh, this is just like last season all over again. You could have you had a bath and come back at half-time. Nothing would have changed. And other than that superb double save by uh, Mr. Nipple in golf for uh, Fulham, <laughs> Mr. Nipple, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't resist, it's, can you? Exactly, you're playing in you're playing in goal in England, and you got Ariola on the back of your shirt. I mean, come on. But uh, yeah, that, that that save from Semedo, was, <laughs> that save from Semedo was absolutely superb to get up that quickly and to spread himself like that. That was a great save for me, and that was the hot, that, that was the highlight of the first half. Makes you wonder if Nipple is actually an English surname somewhere. Do we anybody know any campus known as Nipple? No, well, here. Mr. Man, Mr. Nipple, yeah. <laughs> Yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we, we, we had the uh, lesser spotted Max Kilman in the starting lineup today. Um, all of a sudden, we're flooded with left sided um, centre half slash wing backs. Um, how do you think he got on? I think he's alright, yeah. It was. Um... Yeah, it's a bit of a strange game, wasn't it? I thought. I don't know. He, he didn't. We seemed to concede a lot of chances towards the end. I mean, I don't. I'm trying to think back. Not many of them seemed to come down his side. And, and as Dan said, I mean, I don't say he did uh, did all right. To be fair, out of position. He suddenly, this season seems to be starting these sort of marauding runs up the pitch, doesn't he? Which, um, yeah, which is always interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Kilman. I mean, he played at Liverpool last season, didn't he? And I think another game at home. He just he seems pretty calm and, and, and unfazed by it all. And I can't remember him doing. Too much wrong, which I guess as a defender is always going to be going to lead to trouble. So yeah, I think he was solid enough. Uh, I'm not sure how again if you've got everyone available, how many games he'll play, and you know what what he does to sort of develop him um, over the coming season, etc. But yeah, I think he did okay. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people were a bit uneasy about the whole Mitrovic versus Cody um, um, matchup, but Kilman obviously gives us a little bit of. Physicality is a big lad, and uh, he can compete with with pretty much anyone um, size wise. So, and like you say, uh, if if a defender hasn't been that noticeable in a game, he's probably had a good one. Yeah. So, um, fair play to him. Um, Dan, in terms of the the first half, what did you did you make of it in, in general? Just the just the kind of as a moving on from the West Ham game in particular. Um, we did look void of confidence, I thought, in the first half. I still think they're trying to bed in a new way of playing and with like, the turnover of players that we've had in, I still don't really think that the general consensus is that they know what they're doing, whether they're, they're trying to counter, whether they're trying to build from the back, um, fast, direct player. I, I don't really think that they know what they're doing as a, as a whole at the moment. I think it's only going to come with time. Um, we like I said the, the the chance that Samedo missed in the first half. If if that goes in, I think Fulham said would have dropped a lot quicker and we would have probably coasted that game. I don't really remember them testing Rui as much as the the aftermath on Twitter suggests that we we struggled against Fulham. But as I said today, I was just about getting the result and getting some confidence back in the team. Yeah, I, I mean Fulham haven't haven't obviously had the best of starts this season and. It was only a matter of time before they actually decided, well, hang on a sec, we've got to get our act together and shore up. And I think it was noticeable that 
Well, for a start, Michael Hector wasn't in the team, um, which was um, sad to see from our perspective. <laughs> and you know, they, they were noticeably just a lot more secure, patient, tentative um, with their shape. Um, Stu, I, I mean, we've obviously seen problems uh, from Wolves' perspective in breaking teams down last year. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really look like we've moved on in that regard, does it? No, I think that's exactly what I was saying about central midfield problems as well earlier on, that we still haven't got anyone to unlock the door when teams do this to us. And it was very much pass-pass sideways. It was like the call and retribute act a lot of the time from everyone. And it was you could just see where it was going to happen, what was going to happen. You go, you go down the left and you come back in, then you go down the right, then you come back in, and there was no movement, there was no... It's just frustrating and annoying because it's three, well, nearly four years now of this, on, on the fourth season of the Nuno, and this this nonsense still carries on. And you think, why? And that, this is the whole point where he said about we need to change as a team and we've gone as far as we can. But if you've got Vitinha on the bench who's who can unlock teams like this, then just put him on, just give him a go. And it was just frustrating. I don't know who it was in the group who said, is anyone awake now or something like that at half time? But it was true. It was just boring again. And the, you can you can see a, a shot from outside the box as, or a set piece is the only way we're going to score because we can't break teams down still who just flood the defence. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we were hamstrung by the left side not being um, at optimum level, shall we say, because, you know, diagonal right wing were available there you know Nelson Samedo actually had a couple of opportunities to get in behind um, but you know for a fact Romain Sace isn't going to be picked out um, with a big diag from Cody and, and bomb past his full back and whip a ball in it's just it's just not his game for a start, I mean Paul I don't know if you had a clue where he was actually playing because he kept <laughs> up in really odd positions did you spot this in the game? He kept wandering around in the air I think uh, again I don't know if this is part of the sort of new tactical sort of total football etc but yeah it was um, I don't know I mean I was with Dan I think it was literally just about trying to win the game today I think it's, it feels like I don't know it just feels like it's been a strange time doesn't it with no time between the seasons I think it was, what was it, five weeks between the last game of last and the first of this players coming in and out, a couple of injuries which we're sort of not used to and, and obviously at the same time trying to change to a new way of playing. It just feels, that all feels a little bit strange and I think, I mean, the, the problem, if you like, I said earlier, I think Nuno, he just loves the training ground and getting the players bedded in and playing how he wants to and obviously now, you know, we've got two weeks internationals where most of them are away so I think, I think it will, you know, it will come good. It's just probably going to, almost you need two or three clear weeks on the training pitch, get people fit again. You know, it's something old cliches coming out, but I do, you know, I really think that that's when you can start to judge. And um, and yeah, today was just somehow getting three points, which fortunately we managed to do. Yeah, yeah I think. Like I said, there was there was a time after about ten minutes when Kilman was saying to say, "Go over there," mm-hmm. when he was he was in, he was in the centre circle. <laughs> It's it's bizarre. I think um, you know you get your, your the odd number ten who can kind of have license to pick up the ball wherever they want. I think Sace is you know, Nuno's invented this new position, roaming catch it man, um, and Sace is just allowed to wander all over the pitch kicking whoever the hell he fancies. The roaming Sace. Yeah, yeah. Did you get oh, booked well. today? Yeah, That's. No, I don't think so. I think he avoided it. Maybe when you let, let the shackles off, maybe yeah. counterintuitively, he actually kind of reigns it in a little bit. But that's um, that's your pod title there, Stu, I think. Romans. The roaming Sace. The roaming Sace, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the obvious um, highlight of the, the first half was um, missing up or making that double save. Um, I mean, with the departure of Jota, Nuno's obviously put his eggs in the, the Neto Pedence basket now Dan so uh, I mean how did they look on the whole today do you think obviously Pedence has um, produced um, in in assists so far this season Neto took up the baton today Um, how did it look for you? Um, Those two young lads that you just mentioned are on their way to fulfilling that Jota uh, void of goals that he's left which you've been doubting them since the season <laughs> kicked off. I have, to, I have to accept that one. Remember, Jota only got seven league goals last season. 
Neto's got one already. He's so got he's two got assists. But, but Danny, one, he's got one Fulham. assist. Danny, you're going to use the fact it's against Fulham against him now because Jota only scored against Brighton and Palace and other teams. I just think that they are two players that we need. We are going to have to heavily rely on this season, which maybe we're asking a bit too much from them, especially Neto. I, mean, I think Paulins will um, be in and around the, what we need him to be come the end of the season with goals and assists. Um, going back to what was your original question? <laughs> Just how, how do you think they looked as a, as a kind of you know that's obviously where we're looking to go from as an attacking threat. Um, try or Ray drop into the bench. What, how do you think it worked really? I said like all first half. I thought we 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 lacked ideas. There was a few times where Jimenez was deeper than Pold and stuff. And there was one pass where. Jimenez played to the left wing and there was literally no one there. Yeah, literally yeah. no one there. And it was just like, you need to get your heads together here, lads, and listen to what you're being told on, at Compton. But like what Paul mentioned with the lack of pre-season that we've had and the fact that the FA have drowned us in a used nappy, you know, I didn't really have a chance. As they, I didn't want to swear, lads. I didn't want to swear. But, but you're right. In that example that you've just used, you know, Wolves' system and shape is so drilled into them. Players don't almost need to look up to know where their, you know, their teammates are going to be. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's so uncanny that they, they, and Jimenez would usually play that pass and he's expecting Johnny to be out there or he's expecting A and other to, to be in that left wing, wing back position. That's obviously not been the case this time because Sace went walkabout, assuming under Nuno's instruction, but, um, it's not quite clicky, especially given how Sheffield United um, in the first half. You know, yeah. we've we, we've had spells in game, even against Man City in the second half. Um, we've had spells in games where we have looked really fluent and fluid. Um, but I, th- I think um, moving on to the second half, we we did kind of kick on a little bit um, after half time as we would. Um, so I, I mean, Paul, do you think the the second half syndrome that we seem to be, um, you know, really? What would you call it? Um, infected with um, is is continuing a, a pace this season. Right at the moment, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems, yeah. I mean, I think he, again, he just Nuno you know, seems to love sort of just getting into games and bedding in. And obviously, Sheffield United was such a sort of departure with getting those goals. And as we've seen, I think the last few years, Wolves are such a good team when we go ahead. I mean, I know you know there's a few anxious moments today, but we do. You know, being able to control the game with the central midfield that we talk about because that is their game, isn't it? The passing and the hanging on to the ball and that sort of thing. So if we do get ahead, we do seem to be, you know, to do okay. And I think, yeah, I mean, Neto and Podence today were sort of energetic and it sort of came came to the fore a bit in the second half. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, and I'm probably clutching at straws a bit, but I do think the lack of fans, and again, and this is going to be around for a long time, I think we're a club. And a team and the way we play, sort of power and pace and, you know, young players that love that crowd. I do think we perhaps do miss that a little bit more than most. Um, and just the general support we would have had today. Uh, and again, it's a pretty, probably a pretty daft thing to say because this is how it is. But I don't know, I just feel there's been a fair few sort of games where when we could have had the crowd just getting us going a bit. Um, maybe the first half thing wouldn't be so pronounced, but then, you know, it did happen when we had fans in, didn't it? So, but yeah, it was a, a lot better second half, and I think Jimenez had had the chance, hadn't he, just before the goal as well, which could have been very good. We just needed to get in front, I think, today, didn't we? And then it would have been yeah. as it was with the one. Stu, nice goal, wasn't it? Mm. It was a superb finish. I mean, he's kind of making a name for himself with just. It's not even. He's not even placing them. It's a mixture of everything. He, when he, when the heat is on, Neto's cool as ice. And no, he's just, <laughs> you, you, you look at the, the amount of, I mean, that, that chance um, that Raul missed, the one on one, which again, he just blasted, he blasted straight at the keeper, where you think he should be doing better with that, really. And you, the one against Man City, where he, he should have been doing better with that. And Raul, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be on it yet for me, which is, again, understandable with the amount of games from last season and blah, blah, blah. But Neto looks sharp. And Pudence looks sharp. Not so much today, but against Sheffield United, Pudence looks sharp. And like we said before, these two players are going to be what Nuno's bet his hand on. And today it worked for him, because that finish was absolutely sublime. 
And I think in the first half, there was a lot of things that we mentioned about the, him as his little pass into the touchline. A lot of it was like muscle memory from last season where they were passing to nowhere. And you think, well, what are you doing? And you think, well, yeah, Jota would have been there or Doherty would have been there blah, and that kind of thing. So it's like retraining, retraining each other and retraining everyone to a new style of play and a new way of thinking in the space of, what, four or five days before the season started? And it's like when Solbakken tried to change Mick McCarthy's team and look what happened there. And obviously that's not going to happen here. But it's trying to change your mindset and it's going to take time. But yeah, that from what your actual question was, it was a superb finish from Neto. Absolutely superb. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, this game reminded me a lot of um, the Burnley game post-lockdown where, you know, we, we've, it's been a bit of, um, you know, a bit of touchy-feely in the first half. Nothing really to, um, you know, say. And, you know, we scored a really nice goal, but then we decided to drop off and um, allow Burnley. Burnley, you would not, not been in the game at any point until we scored. Uh, and Fulham, it felt, weren't really in the game. I mean, they brought on Adam Ola-Luckman, who suddenly looked like the best player in the Premier League for, <laughs> for about 20 minutes. Um, but... But Dan, does that does it concern you the way that Fulham came back into the game? No, not particularly. Just because of the way what you, you mentioned, I think it's it's standard for Wolves under new now in the Premier League that once we go one nil up, that we will absorb opposition attacks and and then try and do them on the counter again. Um, my, my worry is when we, when we play a, a better team, is giving these teams better chances. Uh, then what's going to uh, falter us? My, my main concern at the moment is the fact that what Stu mentioned, just Jimenez doesn't seem to be properly on. I think he was trying too hard in that second half to score once he missed that first chance because there was a moment where, if you remember, he had a blocked shot when he really should have played Pogensen. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe he's trying a bit too hard at the moment, maybe... He's got his big deal now. He don't care anymore. I, I don't know. <laughs> his goal bonus must have gone through the roof on the new contract, hasn't it? That's what it was. How much they must be paying him now for him to stay for four years makes me wonder what the wage structure is and why we haven't gone out and why Mendes hasn't got Hamas Rodriguez here. What's <laughs> the wage structure now that he's he's re- re- so, so you, yeah, you with, saying with every saying, silver lining, there's a cloud with Dan, I think, isn't it? Is it you're effectively saying that Raul Jimenez is the new Jamie O'Hara? Oh yeah, he's going to throw. He's going to call it in now. Now that he's got yeah. his new contract. Yeah, he'll be turning up to flipping Compton a red Ferrari next week. Let's <laughs> <laughs> lest we forget, he he wasn't a, a striker of that much repute before he arrived at Wolves. Uh, I mean, he, he he has a lot to thank the club. Then, um, you know. The fact that he's shown a bit of loyalty, you know, maybe that's just reward for what the club's done for him and what what Nuno's done for him in particular. Because, you know, it's only recent, the last 18 months he's been spoken about as one of the best number nines in Europe, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, I mean, um, Paul would... Last chance to go on it, I think, as well. You know what I mean? I think you're right. I think this was probably, if he was going to get a big move to a big European club, this was probably his chance because of, you know, how... how as he's getting older, which I think, again, I think that's a positive, like I think Stu said earlier about him staying. You know, I think that's a huge kind of boost, really. Um, but again, yeah, the pressure's sort of on him now. He's the main man, isn't he, again? And he's got a new contract. And so, yeah, fingers crossed he starts finding the net. I think he thrives on having that role. I think that's why he has stayed. Yeah. He, he hasn't been trusted to be A-club's number nine, wherever he's been. And I think we were like, talking about earlier whether maybe he's, he, he has already pigs, but... The fact that he hasn't really been no, I don't think playing has. week in, week out for the clubs previously probably does us a favour, really, in the long term. Mm. Yeah, and um, there's been countless examples of players who, you know, will move on from a club, suddenly start playing games, and uh, all of a sudden they, they are world beaters. Um, going back to the game, uh, Paul, there's a bit of uh, squeaky bum time, I think, towards uh, the end of it. Um, I mean, come off, off the top of my head, Kamara's chance being the one moment where you thought, oh, we've uh, we've got away with one there. Um, Dan, I really appreciate the point you made about not being too anxious. There weren't really too many counter-attacks going the other way, I think was my concern. Paul, would you agree? Yeah, I guess, yeah. No, it did feel, um, oh, again, going back to that Burnley game, 
where you just thought that you know you did think we were inviting it a bit and equally you thought well we're not going to score and obviously the penalty came and they did and I think yeah it only needs you know you needed one moment didn't it or a mistake at the back or or that chance to drop a little bit further down and it was in so yeah I think and again especially with Chore, I suppose sending him on when they did you almost hope that he's then going to carry the ball up the pitch you know and ease that little pressure for the last sort of 10-15 minutes and didn't seem to happen today, did it? Which get, which was a bit concerning. And um, I think I think that's the first time I've not seen him dribble past someone in a game. Because yeah. he only just the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to go on it, did he at all? But yeah, no, so it was. And I think crumbs. You can imagine, like you say, what would have happened if we had conceded. But um, yeah, strange, strange game, and, and a bit worrying at the end. But yeah, three points now, and I don't think anyone will remember it for too much longer. Will we after? <laughs> I guess in many ways we we were lucky it was Fulham. Um, mm. Stu, I mean, I've been calling for it, but do you think there's any coincidence between Dead Donker returning to the team and us winning the game? Well, absolutely not. I mean, it, it, you can't play them two, to, Neves and Matinho together anymore. It's just, it's like the Gerard Lampard thing for England. It's just blatantly obvious now that it's it's got to that stage where they're just, they're just in each other's way. And... You play one or the other. That's why when, when I saw Matinho warming up, I thought, well, he's going to take Neves off because he's, he's, for some reason, he was getting himself all worked up and he was on, I'm amazed he getting himself sent off the way he was just kicking out at people and <laughs> being all rash and weird for him. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought the, the, the change was going to be. And then as soon as he, he come out, came on for Pedence, I thought, oh no, here we go again, holding on to a 1 0 lead. But yeah, it's. Then Duncan. Just makes everyone up, makes everyone else work. He's like the, he's like the, I know I've said this that phrase about being the pivot before, but he's like, he's the cog in the wheel that makes everyone else free in a way, because he just does his job and he's, he don't stop running. And with the the other two, you can't play them two together. And then when, but again, when the three of them were on the pitch, they were all in each other's way as well. So, you either play Dendonka at like we've said, Dendonka and someone else. Not Dendonka Den- Den- and two others. It just doesn't seem to work unless that, unless you play Neves, Dendonka and Vitinha. Well, we haven't seen that yet, so maybe yeah. that's a one for the future. But just Neves and Vitinha on the pitch together, just it's just not working. It's it's yeah. been it's been about four or five months now, and towards the end of last season as well, where they're just in each other's way and they're just too similar. But yeah, yeah. it's Dendonka and plus one for now. Yeah, I think if you were to kind of summarise today, I mean, going into an international break as well, you know, 1-0 win, clean sheet after last weekend's debacle, I guess there's not too much you can argue with, you know, performance, you know, there's obviously some question marks over it, but ultimately we've got what we want. So, uh, I mean, if we move on to a man of the match, lads, Dan, I'll start with you, who who really stood it's a tough one, really, because obviously it was all about just getting the win today, but I don't think there was really anyone that was above probably 7 out of 10 today. Any disagreements with that that, that rating? Well, I've got three sevens, the rest six. I mean, if I had to commit to one player, I'd, I'd probably... I'd, I'd probably go with Raul, just because I thought he, he, he worked hard again, could have had two, maybe... Three goals on another day, but well, I just think there was all just standard performances and it, I said just a lack of confidence on the back of West Ham. Um, I think they can just if I had the bottle of champagne, I'd just take it in the dressing room and say, "You like pick who who, who takes it on because <laughs> none of you really deserve it." But you drink it yourself, Dan. Is what is the the answer to that question? Key total now. <laughs> <laughs> so rocked over. Um, Stu, what, what do you reckon? We had a few. I mean, we said about how Kilman just manages to just slot in like he's played every game for the last four years in a row, and he's just imperious every time he plays. Somehow, he doesn't make any sense. I mean, how he can just slot. I mean, it, shout out for the uh, thirty-one minutes count on the uh, futsal mention today. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> longer than usual. Um, but yeah, man, I thought Kilman played well. I thought Sais did exceptionally well in a weird position where he's never played before for us. Um, I thought Neto did Neto did okay. I mean, obviously he got the goal, but yeah, I mean you you are it's a, it's a collective blanket of obscurity and a bit of magic in the end. So just Neto just 
by default, just for scoring the goal. That's a very football manager thing to do. That just yeah. just give it to the guy who scored. Uh, yeah. Paul, Paul, any 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 other individuals want us to know? Exactly the same. I think. Yeah. No, it's difficult to pick. Really, I think. Um, yeah, Neto got the goal. Easy option, and, and I think he did try and make things happen even in that first half as well. But then, I guess the only other way to look at it is maybe. You know, there's a lot of concern about Cody going up against Mitrovic, but I think Cody, maybe it's a collective that they did manage to keep him very quiet and, and we saw a couple of the crossfield passes again. But but yeah, very, you know, difficult to pick out, but if it was anyone, I think it must be Neto. It's the, the life of a defender. When uh, when you play badly, you're an individual, but when you play well, you're a unit, aren't you? And you can't take, you can't pick that. But um, I, was, I was actually going to pick out Kilman, I think, just because, again, drafted him from the cold, really. And uh, just slotted in. Uh, there was a there was a funny moment I thought when in the first half I think he, he went he called in a slide tackle from about five seconds previous <laughs> to when it happened and he gave a free kick and I I could see it from my sofa that you know <laughs> you're not going to win that mate you're just not going to win it I'm sorry and uh, he, he cleaned out Bobby Reed I think it was but well in the first half he was yeah. it was it was a bit of a ding dong from the corner wasn't it? yeah 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 he was um, I, I would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily go around trying to trying to mess with him. But, um, but a good three points to take home in the end, boys. Um, we'll uh, we'll call it a break there, and after which um, we'll, we'll move on to a little dance quiz. Answer me this: How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in. That includes a Nectar mattress, mattress protector, cooling pillows, and sheet set, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and get hugged. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, WolvesFancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Welcome back, guys, to the second part of the Wolves fancast, um, as usual. Um, we've got little Dan setting up a, a, a quiz for us. Paul, uh, am I right in saying you've got like a 100% record in your quizzes? Yeah, two in two. Is that right? Oh, crumbs. Pressure's on. Yeah, so, um, you know, yeah. the, the, like, I, like I say, you're, the, you're a, we're gunning for you here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, over to you, Dan. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so... As, as usual with the quiz, I, I'm glad you mentioned earlier, Paul, that you did actually listen last week. So that means you, you, you sort of know what the rough format. Yeah. Um, that worries me, to be honest, mate. Yeah. I don't worry. Have them last week. It's it's, it's the, <laughs> the usual format is I'll ask a question. Yeah. You lot will get it wrong and then moan at me saying it's too hard of a quiz. Yeah. And then we get to the next question. <laughs> so I'll come to you first, and obviously because you're the um. The oldest one of the, us, Paul. No offence. Yeah. You can have the oldest period question, which is: On the October the ninth, nineteen ninety nine, Wolves beat nineties rivals Bolton one nil at Molyneux. Who scored the winner? God, oh, there's only one name in my head for that. Only one. It has to be that man. I don't even know whether he's around. This is running You get old, mate. The memory goes. It wasn't Robbie Keane, was it? Unfortunately not. Oh. Gully? I was going double A, yeah. Adi Akinboye. Yeah. Oh. It was Adi Akinboye. Yeah. So I'm not giving you the point, Gully. 
Oh, that's... Hang on, hang on. Just for, for the non-video viewers, <laughs> I did put an A, I, it was, a it was, there. <laughs> I, I just thought you was calling out a recovery car. That's what it was. <laughs> okay, I'll come to you now, Stu. October the 6th, 2007, Wolves ran out 1-0 winners at home to Coventry. Who scored the winner? Oh, <sighs> To think back to that Mick McCarthy promotion season. Paul's celebrating already by the looks of it. Oh, yeah. 07. 07 wasn't the promotion season. Was oh, 07, 08, wasn't it? 08, 09, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was the, the, uh, the missed by one point season. Okay. I still think I've got it. You don't no, get a that's, point play. That's, you don't get a point play anyway. Was, was it Freddie? Was it Freddie? Unfortunately not. Paul? Neil Collins. It was Neil Collins. Ah, uh, good shout. Paul Edder in the 90th minute, if you remember correctly. Yeah, oh, he did yeah. score some winners for us, didn't he? I remember Doncaster being a bit. Yeah, Doncaster. I now know why I thought it was the uh, promotion season because the next question is about the promotion season. <laughs> there we go. There and we it go. was, who was our record signing that season? Just that season in particular. Yeah. That season, it would have been Christoph Berra. It was Christoph Berra. Apparently, two point three million pound in the yeah. January. Oh, and what a signing he proved to be. So, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, I used to like him. I don't know why you're laughing. I used to quite like Berra. He had a you bit lot of an odd talking, style. You lot was talking about how good Max Kilman was today. It was basically Christoph Berra. <laughs> yeah. Just done his job without the floppy footy. without the floppy hands. Yeah, <laughs> just done what he had to do. Didn't do anything extraordinary. I don't remember him making Although, a key pass forward. I'm not trusting Christoph Bera on a futsal pitch. No. <laughs> okay, so the next section is obviously the answer smash question. Um, Paul, do you know you know how to play this, don't you? Yes, I think I saw that. Yeah, I this one. Okay. Yeah. Former Wolves. Wolves. Excuse me. Former Wolves goalkeeper who sang a song called Freedom. <laughs> George Michael Oakes it was George Michael Oakes there you go did you not get that Stu I was, th- I was thinking of David Hasselhoff <laughs> what <laughs> the song called Freedom Stu yeah, at this round David Hasselhoff sang a song called Looking for Freedom at the um, the fall of the Berlin Wall <laughs> oh, yeah. you're so old Stu <laughs> <laughs> It, it, actually, it, 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 it says a lot that we all thought the, the very straightforward response of George Michael and you went to David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I've got a picture I've got a picture of David Hasselhoff holding a gold uh, a, a gold record in my kitchen. <laughs> oh wow. You you might have raised us somewhere you are. <laughs> 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 who who did I come to second last time? Was it you, Gully? No, Stu it, wasn't. It's Stu, Stu. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Real name of Del Boy and former defender of Wolves. Oh, oh yeah, I got this one as well. Former defender. See, I hate this game. You, you're tired yeah. of yeah. It's um, da- David Jason Shackle. It oh, yeah. yeah. This one's my favourite one of the quiz this week. Oh, so, I'm coming to you. Scandinavian fallback who caused a storm in the X-Men. Oh, my X-Men knowledge is so bad. Um, oh my god. The, the cogs are working all across the screen. Scan- <laughs> I've just got a gunner Haller in my head. But I don't, the X-Men bit I really don't know, so I can't, I can't even answer. I don't know this one. I'll, I'll pass, Dan. I'll yeah. pass. Go on then, Stu. You, you don't get the point, but get, tell us the answer. Gunnar Halle Berry. There you go. Oh, oh my God. Oh. That's that simple. That's the storm. first one I've ever got Cause the storm. Oh, oh man. Cause the so, storm. So, I'm right to say, it's oh. Paul versus Gully in the tiebreaker now. Alright, oh, okay. This has to happen so, for the fan cast. Have you got like a phone or a piece of paper you can quickly write your answer on so you ain't cheating? Yeah. <laughs> According to the LA Times, how tall is the Michael Jackson statue that now haunts the National Football Museum in Manchester? <laughs> what what me- what measurement do you want this in? To the nearest inch. Inches. Okay. So well, yeah, foot and inch. 
Okay. So this is a Michael Jackson statue that's at the National Football Museum. Yeah, the one that oh, haunts it at night. Is it? All right, okay. Blimey. <laughs> it roams. Do you know that um, when when Wolves became world champions banner in the museum? Yeah. You'll, you'll regularly yeah. find it saying, hee hee, around that at the museum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got an answer. So, so uh, to the nearest foot an inch. Uh, Gully? Hang on a for shits and giggles, I'll put my name because they wrote those down anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, Gully. Oh yeah, come to you. I'll come to you after this. Gully has gone for. Is that six foot eight? Yeah. Okay, Paul. I thought it was huge. Twenty foot. <laughs> okay, Stu. How big? <laughs> like a big sort of Stan Cullis, Billy Wright job. Uh, what have you gone for, Stu? Uh, I, I would have said nine foot two. The is correct it? answer, and this week's winner is Gully. The correct answer is seven foot six. Taking the crown. I reckon. I reckon the block that it's on, maybe that thirteen foot that you've allowed for. <laughs> yeah, Mate, it, I think if it's, I think if it's not on the plinth, yeah. What's the foot between friends, eh? Yeah. I think Paul's thinking of the um, the statue from the history cover. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, the big tall one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Overcooked it again. That's uh, that's considerably more majestic than this version, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Uh, wow. Taking the crown, Paul. And uh, the run's coming to an end. Your your um, future yeah. future appearances are in jeopardy now. <laughs> yeah. In right. the, obviously, we, we I don't think we're going to do Twitter Corner today, gents, because of the, the lack of feedback that we've had across social media. So I think it might be best, well, whilst we've got Paul on the show, just to quickly put him on the spot, but not throw him under the bus. If you've got a quick question to ask Paul, now's your time. Yeah. My, personally, my personal <laughs> question would be, Paul, has there ever been a player in your time at Molyneux that you've fought how have you made it professionally? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, can, you, you can do like a sort of That's answer, great, yeah. smash sort of description if you want, so we can work them out without throwing yourself under the buzz. But Oh, my word. Yeah. Or just pick a player that hasn't got social media and can't, like, hack you, like can't argue. Like something like Jobber Ronson. Why, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, mate? I was being diplomatic about it, um, and to be fair, he was a really nice fella, and he'd probably agree with me. When uh, when Stefan Meyerhofer came in in the Premier League, <laughs> oh, okay. the neck, yeah, yeah. yeah, the neck, and and you know what? I'm sure you know maybe there was a place for him um, somewhere, but it wasn't you know it wasn't a team trying to sort of uh, do well in the Premier League. But uh, yeah, really nice. He scored, I think, didn't he, when he came on? He scored on his debut. I mean, yeah, yeah. He had the, the same amount of league goals as red cards for Wolves. I mean, if, if that's not a cult hero, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, really nice guy. I just don't, and uh, without sort of being too critical, it probably wasn't the signing that we needed at, at that time, was it? When you look back, I was and always yes, a little bit. I was always a little bit skeptical of the whole tallest player in the Premier League tag as well, because he never looked that tall, like Peter Crouch tall. I, I, I don't know what it was, but obviously official stats say that he was, wasn't he, at the time? And yet another, there's another, yet another Wolves player that looked quality on YouTube, Meyerhofer, Majanji Beer, but yeah, this yeah. goes on. Yeah. Majanji Beer, yeah. Just don't know how you get to that height and then don't win a header. Um, <laughs> baffled me a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure as well, there was, um, on that kind of similar subject, um, some kind of social media exchange a few years ago where Frank Newblade was calling out Bjorn Sigurdarsson for not being of any fit shape to be a professional footballer at one point. Right. I, well, I can't remember. When, when Mr. Clack saying things. Yeah, yeah. Then... Hashtag, hashtag Clack at the end of the comment, of course. We've had some bollocks, eh, we? (laughs) (laughs) Before your time at Wolves, growing up, Paul, was there a player that you thought, how have you made it professionally at Wolves? Crumbs. But you you must have seen some of the absolute dross in the 80s then. I was kind of, yeah, I mean, what I remember, mid to late 80s. um, 
Oh my word! You try and block them out a bit. Uh, <laughs> it must have been, yeah. I'd have to probably have a think. Have you got anyone in mind? Have you done this before? I think I apologised to Darren Simkin on Twitter a while back for saying he was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who Jason's had on the wolf whistle who've come on, who've admitted that they were shit, and um, but they've been really good, really great guys. Mm. You think, oh. Kind of, I feel sorry for abusing you, even though I wasn't even born. It's very good. I, I, I do wonder how many players in that kind of 80s to 90s era would actually make it these days. You know, to, the, to the level that they got to, with whether it was Premier League or, or Championship level. Because, um, you know, you, you look, you watch a video of a 90-minute game. I, I remember watching, oh, in lockdown, the, the playoff final even, the 2003 <laughs> week. And it was one of the worst games of football I have ever seen in my life. And... Well, I just remember, it, obviously, it, the occasion was ridiculous, but the quality of the football was absolutely sh- have you ever Have you ever gone back and watched the 1966 World Cup final? How bad uh, that is? No, no. I mean, obviously, you was there, Stu, so I can't... Yeah, I'm, yeah. Me and Paul. Watching it live. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got that on DVD years ago, and I watched it. I thought, this is just awful. It, it's not even football, half of it. It's just terrible. It's shit. Still coming back to me now, you know, some of those players, I don't know it's mid-90s, remember the likes of, um, yeah, it seems to have a spate of bringing in random, like, Jens Duve. Yeah, I knew you were going to Jens Duve then. Is it Jesus, San Juan, Serge Romano, I mean, all these guys, I don't know whether he was yeah. ahead of the curve with European football, but I don't think any of them played more than five games, did they? Uh, you're, missing, you're missing the king out there, Paul, um, Mr. Neestroy. Robert Neestroy, yeah, from... Paul, was you, was you ever working when um, we first moved to Compton and it was just like a bunch of cor- porter cabins? Uh, was you at the um, at the mail then or was it... Um... Yeah, no, I was just on the mail, I think, the last, yeah. last couple of years. So you had to like... Oh, did you ever visit? Club. Yeah, you had to go to the tennis club to do interviews. <laughs> um, and I, and I remember it, it was quite funny because um, the, the press office was great and you'd sort of put your request in for a player. And I used to request Stephen, Stephen Everson quite a lot. But every time he, 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 he well, he never turned up. Yeah. So eventually, he didn't walk about, wasn't he? I don't know what he just. <laughs> you know, it became a bit of a thing where I, I sort of request him every couple of weeks, and I think we got to about ten times, and he never turned up once, and still, you know, still haven't done that interview. But yeah, so it was uh, interesting times. They reckon that Dino Badjo turned up, didn't they? And then saw the port cabins and disappeared pretty quickly. And I why, think. Why, that, why would you take him that, to the training ground? I, I just don't know what you do. <laughs> Get him to sign at Molyneux and then show him afterwards when it's too late. But uh, but yeah, there were Gaza Gaza running around the tennis club are interesting times. But yeah, when I, when I, I remember when I put that um, during lockdown and I put that picture of Gaza in a Wolves kit on Facebook and there was loads of people saying, "What? When, when did this happen?" Yeah, yeah. this was no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially well, the uh, our American friends who'd, who'd obviously never heard the story and why he was here. Yeah, it was. Um, if only that had worked. Because I remember we we played Burnley away, and he, when he was playing, was playing for Burnley, I think he was, and was it Burnley or was it somewhere? It, it was somewhere like that where he. Um, he did have a spell at Burnley, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think because Dean Wright was there as well. I don't know if it was the same time, and and he came over and he got a stand innovation when mm. he was taking a corner. I thought, yeah, this is a proper legend. Well, that was another one because I went trying to get an interview with him. Obviously, he was only on trial, so he wasn't really on the same. So we went. Um, we played in the reserves at Agbar, I think. Well, he did, his kid did. And so there's two or three of us went to try and grab him afterwards. That's, you know, it was like, what are you going to do? Do you want to sign and all that sort of stuff? And all of a sudden, we saw the team coach leaving and he was like waving from the back. And it was like, how the hell did he get on there? And he'd come out in like a, a big steward's coat. And just, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> passing, you know, even spotting him. And, uh, so, yeah. What a, what a blow. What a blow. All right, well, I think that wraps us up nicely for the with this um, edition of the Fancast, guys. Um, so it's probably a goodbye from Paul for the time being. Goodbye. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming yeah. on, Paul. No worries. Stu, goodbye from you. See you later. We'll, we'll have um, an episode of Filmcast to tide you over the uh, the glory of the international break. Don't worry about that. Good stuff. What, we, what have we got on that? I'm not actually sure yet. I'm, I'm, well, I think we, we put it out to a poll, so Andy's yet to enlighten me on the uh, the glory of what we've got over here oh, this time. Nice. Good stuff. And um, All right, cool. Look forward to that. Um, and 
Dan, goodbye from yourself. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick reminder that we are now, just because everyone else is on YouTube now, um, and we've put out a Twitter competition today where you can win a new wall shirt of your choice. All you've got to do is retweet the post and subscribe on YouTube, and then the uh, competition closes uh, the day of the Newcastle game, the end of the month. So good luck and enter, enter that, and uh, take care, everyone. Great, yeah, we'll definitely be going for that, guys. Um, great, um, thanks for listening from me, guys, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, be speaking to you soon.